Brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated. Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers and acquisitions and all deal-related things. I'm your host, Alex Sherman, joining you from San Francisco today with my guest, who is also typically a New Yorker, but we're both here this week, Alex Barinka, Bloomberg's IPO reporter. And since we're both in San Francisco, I thought it would be appropriate for us to focus on some news she helped break a few days ago, that Snapchat has hired bankers to lead its IPO, tentatively scheduled for early 2017. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, so did I mess this up already? Should I have said Snap Inc. instead of Snapchat? So, so yeah, so so Snap Inc. is the new parent company of Snapchat. They did kind of you know take a step back and rebrand themselves in recent months, uh, calling themselves kind of this camera company. Um, we, they still have Snapchat, the the app that we're all familiar with, or at least some of the folks in my millennial generation are familiar with. But they're also introducing things recently, uh, like a pair of glasses with the camera. Built Built in. So it seems like maybe um, some broader aspirations here going into uh, the IPO, but you'll have to excuse me if I call them Snapchat instead of Snap. Well, I, I also will probably do that. So let's talk about this for a little bit because you mentioned that most of the people, most of sort of the millennial, or, or is there a word now for like the generation below millennials? When do we when do we hit the next generation? That's sort of what I want to talk about, like the thirteen year olds. I've kind know. of just been calling them the next crop of folks that advertisers love. Uh, I'm sure there's a better name <laughs> right. that that the media world has come up Post-modern with. Postmodern millennials, or exactly. Something. Um, so, w- anyways, so that that age group, the teenagers, current teenagers. Um, I think are maybe the biggest users of Snapchat. In fact, they use Snapchat for, I just read a recent study, you know, more than Facebook, more than Twitter. Uh, And so maybe you can help for our audience that is not, I don't think our core demo for this podcast is 13-year-olds. So uh, what exactly is Snapchat and why is it so popular? Well, the OG Snapchat, the original gangsta Snapchat was the disappearing uh, photos app. Right. Uh, founded back in 2011, Spiegel out at Stanford, Evan Spiegel, the CEO and his co-founder, um, they came up with this idea to send uh, to be able to send pictures that disappear after a certain amount of time. That kind of core uh, foundation of what this app is is still in there. It's kind of evolved. You can write text on it. You can put emojis on it. Uh, there are things called filters where you can swipe through and make your face turn into a puppy or look like a princess and send those things to your friends and that is kind of you know when I think of my own snapchat usage I use it basically to text people right I'm using it to send messages to my friends they are kind of involved in my life and see my every day and it's more than just sending like a typical sms but why are you using it instead of sending a text message because you can put like emojis and text messages now. you can but I can't take a selfie or take a picture of the bridge over here in the San Francisco Bay and then send a message on it it gets it's, this, it's this kind of like immersive like this is my life now it's a little grittier than Instagram it's a little more kind of forward than the typical Instagram um, you know 
put a pretty picture up on the internet kind of thing. So that was the core of it. They have since evolved uh, and added things like Snapchat stories. So the the original snaps, I pick who I send them to, right? You, If I send you a snap, you know you got one from me. You don't know who else I sent it to, but you know that you, know, you got it and then it disappears. The stories, you can kind of curate a video that sticks for 24 hours and you can add to that and that's Uh, publicly available to all of your friends who you follow so that was kind of you know the the next step now you you kind of get into where they start to make money and that is snapchat discover Uh, snapchat discover is kind of like think of it like a mobile magazine where you have different brands on there like um you know right now leading mine is the daily mail uh with a, a picture of you know a woman wearing summer clothes saying winter's last day of summer ESPN is in there. Uh, there's a Jets Cardinals, you know, little thing that I can click through on BuzzFeed. And this is where uh, sponsors and media partners are actually paying Snapchat to put their content up. Uh, like, and let's say I click into one of these um, different, uh, like if I click into ESPN's, the ALC mess, that's gross Trevor Bauer, right? If I want to see the baseball news du jour, you can actually click through and it'll show you either pictures or videos. Sometimes you can swipe up and actually read an article that seems to be kind of the next generation thing for them but the caveat is the usership for that has not been as sticky and so you know that's kind of going to be one of the challenges for them as they go forward and prove their business and not just sure because can i get that information in us 700 other places exactly exactly and and when you think about those places think about like a twitter right uh not that twitter's days have been very rosy as of late so they need to really figure out a way to bring users in and have them be as sticky as they can because that's what advertisers are going to pay live within the snapchat world and then i will get my information through snapchat because i'm already there and i have no reason to leave and that that idea of a Snapchat world, a Snap Inc. world, um, I think is really important. Because when you think about the different social media companies that are out there, who are the comps, right? Investors, they love their comps. They're going to compare this company to other companies. And when I think about it, you know, you have these two ends of the spectrum. You have Twitter, right? You have uh, that kind of uh, nichier product. And you have Facebook. And, you know, LinkedIn is getting swallowed up. So that's kind of uh, moving away. But that's more business focused. So if you look at the Twitter-Facebook dichotomy, you know, Twitter has gone through, as you've covered so closely, this kind of drama and and they've taken a lot of flack for not expanding out of their niche, you know, feed. There hasn't been a second act. Whereas Facebook has this, you know, you can kind of think of them as a bigger platform. They have bought WhatsApp. They have bought Instagram. They have bought Oculus. They're doing different things. And, you know, back to your earlier question, Alex, when I think about kind of the Snap Inc., that seems to be where this company maybe is trying to position itself. So let's hang on this for a little bit, because what you just described me is, to describe to me, I, I sort of get, it sounds like sort of a classic social media company, and its hook is you can send pictures, uh, you know, or, or video, excuse me, uh, easily and annotated, etc. So if that's the case, why then is Snapchat in its, its sort of its mission, its new mission statement, the first six words of this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading this now, it says, this is a verbatim, Snap Inc. is a camera company. Well, that sounds boring and legacy. That doesn't sound like the exciting dynamic world you just described to me. Why are you 
labeling yourself like that, even if it's an umbrella term. I have to say, it has made some folks I talk to chuckle and bring up, uh, you know, reminisce about the days of Kodak, uh, the last major great, you know, specifically camera company. It, it to to argue the other side of that, if you look at the emphasis that, let's say, Apple has put on cameras in their phones, this idea of, of sharing visuals about what's around you seems to be really important for the millennial generation, for the next crop of folks who are coming up. Um, so that might be the thinking behind it. Um, you have to think, though, that investors are going to question. They're going to ask the same thing on the roadshow. They're going to ask the same thing. How does that make money right. for you? Should your multiple right? be Panasonic? Exactly. Right. Or, you know, do glasses with a camera embedded really, uh, you know, warrant you a multiple like they're looking to go for for this IPO? Right. And and clearly that doesn't alone. I mean, I I have there's no way that anyone has any idea how successful the camera glasses thing is going to be at this stage. Uh, Certainly like Google Glass hasn't uh, even though I know they realize they say Google Glass is different than this, but still. Uh, that's the only real comp we have at this point that's even remotely uh, similar to this as far as I can tell. There's a few more questions I want to ask you about uh, sort of the the finances uh, of, of Snap Inc. as far as we know them now. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated. Okay, so Alex, what do we know at this stage about just how much money Snap Inc. makes? Do we know revenue? What do we think the, the public market cap might be, et cetera? So we know that uh, the company is targeting at least $350 million in revenue this year. That's according to our sources. That would be almost a 500% increase from the $59 million in 2015. And next year, they're looking at you know at least a billion dollars. So, so that is kind of the spectrum, right? $59 million in 2015, $350 million plus this year, a billion next year. Their last private round, remember they just raised private funding in May. They were valued at $18 billion. They raised $1.8 billion. So basically a mini IPO there. Um, So the the Wall Street Journal has reported a $25 billion valuation, what they're eyeing. I have heard it could be more than that. It could be less. Um, Remember, these things kind of get settled closer to IPO date, um, which we have said could come as early as March. So if you take those numbers and break it down, so the $25 billion market value uh, with with $1 billion in revenue next year, that's a price-to-sales ratio of about 25 times. That is more valuable than any U.S.-listed tech company with a market cap bigger than $5 billion, and that there's 87 in that bucket. For just internet companies, um, the average is seven and a half uh, times sales, and again, Snapchat at 25 times would be bigger than Facebook's 13 and a half, Twitter's four and a half, four and a half and change. So to put it in perspective, this would be a very richly valued company, right? Yeah, and and let's put the revenue number in perspective too. So, one billion in revenue next year. So, I'm going to give you 2015 revenue numbers. So, this was last year because the year is over. Twitter, 2.2 billion. So, that's more than double what Snapchat's revenue will be estimated for next year. And Facebook, more than 17 billion in revenue last year. So, uh, 
the, you know, these companies are sort of more, much more well on their way to maybe Twitter has sort of plateaued at this point, but Facebook continues to grow revenue uh, fairly robustly year after year. And obviously, they've really made it to some degree as a legitimate company. So I want I want you to play uh, both sides of this. First, why will Snapchat succeed, and then why will Snapchat fail? Uh, why or will Snap, Snap Inc. right Snap Inc. Why will Snap Inc. succeed? Well, when you think about these younger companies, I think if I were to lay out this side of the argument, you have to look at a the um, the management team. Right, this is still a really young company. Right, it was founded only in 2011. You have Evan Spiegel, you have Imran Khan, the chief strategy officer, who was a former Credit Suisse banker, took Alibaba public. He knows how these things work. So when you think about kind of taking this company out and what what comes after. IPO day, day one as a publicly traded company, they are, if you bet on them, you're betting that they can figure out, you know, what are the next verticals here. They have this audience that's really sticky. Uh, media has been a hard nut to crack, right? Having, being, having a successful new media company, whether or not they want to be called media versus tech, um, that is kind of the challenge that you would have to bet this company uh, can overcome. Discover still has a lot of ways to go. If they can make this kind of the definitive go-to for the new magazine, the new source of, of ads, of content, their argument is that they their ads that are embedded in Discover, that are embedded between other users' stories, there's five times more engagement than other digital ads. That right there, I think, is going to has to be the bread and butter. Is the return on investment for advertisers but, higher? But with then, them. why would you label yourself as a camera company? Because that's what a media company does. Well, if you look at multiples, um, media companies not necessarily as loved as you know. I guess internet technology companies for sure. And I, I think they're they are uh, still hoping that camera means technology. I guess, although even like GoPro doesn't have a. I mean, they're they're certainly their multiples higher than a media company, but GoPro has not been a, a wild success story by any means. Right. Again, what was the the uh, second act? They haven't been able to prove that yet. So so that is going to be the bull case here, right? That they figure out what's next. That they can figure out other verticals. I don't know if any of us would have expected Facebook were to buy Oculus when it went public. You know, if they can do the things that investors really can add value to, or at least see the dream there, see how that fits into the broader platform, that's the bull case. The bear case, they don't iterate. They don't figure out what's next. Advertisers think of it as a fad. They move on to other platforms, and someone else comes up and eats their lunch. So I think those are kind of the two... Um, to, that that's the split, you know. Is it can they put something out there that people advertisers actually want to spend those ad dollars on instead of just maybe tossing a little bit at it because they feel like they have to be on a Twitter or whatever. So this will be the largest IPO I believe since Alibaba yep. IPO a couple of years ago. Market value wise, yes. Market value wise, and what do we expect the market cap for Snap um, to be? So again, Journal has reported twenty five billion. I've heard it could be more. So it it, it really will depend on. You know the the sense out there okay. in the market. So so twenty five billion plus. Mm -hmm. Is this a test case for the other big unicorns, the Airbnbs, the Ubers, to see what will happen if they go public, or is this sort of a different animal from those companies, and therefore? shouldn't be seen as a test case. Uh, there's a little bit of both. It is uh, going to be a bit of a test case because you have 
you're going to have things like the scarcity effect that we've seen in these smaller deals where investors are rushing in. These, um, you're going to have you know, a bigger float here. There's going to be more shares sold. There's going to be more money that can be put to work in this offering. Those are things that are going to play into you know, how this happens over time. And the different kinds of questions they get from investors, um, that might also be similar. But you have to remember, this is an internet company, right? It is a, it's a social media company. The business model is very, very different than you know, uh, an Uber or an Airbnb where you have more of a tangible, you know, tangible revenue stream there. Um, And this, it also feels like, you know, when I think back to Facebook and Twitter days, they're asking to investors to kind of take a bet here that they can uh, crack the ad revenue uh, nut. And that's going to be something that's going to be a little different. Because as more or less, this still holds, although I think it's starting to change a little bit with companies that are sort of generic social media companies. So Twitter, WhatsApp, Facebook, uh, the main mechanism that Wall Street has used for years to value them is users and user growth. And what are the numbers for Snapchat users? Snapchat has 150 million daily active users. Uh, Bloomberg Intelligence estimates they have 235 million monthly active users. So that's less than Facebook's 1.7 billion, uh, close to Twitter's 250 million or so. So those are going to be the metrics that I think they'll use. But that's not to say if you think back to Twitter's IPO, there were some kind of magic metrics in there. So we will be looking at that closely when the S1 comes out to see just what Snapchat is pointing investors to. And then briefly, uh, just thinking back, Facebook's IPO was seen as sort of a disaster. Twitter's IPOs went more smoothly. I don't know if you want to use the word ironically or not, but Facebook has done much better as a public company than Twitter, which uh, you know we've talked about on this show several times already. It's just run a process that looks like it's... it's uh, uh, dead, if not, uh, you know, on extreme life support at this point. What are the lessons there that Snapchat can use? Because, because we started this by saying you broke the story that they hired banks, they hired Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. Morgan Stanley ran the Facebook IPO, Goldman Sachs ran the Twitter IPO. This is Morgan's chance to have another crack at it. This is probably the most high-profile IPO since Facebook, correct? It is. Their, it's their highest profile where they've been the left lead. That's left kind lead, of the, right. you know... Lingo for number exactly. one. Exactly. Number one golden banker on the deal. Um, it, it is... It's a... It is a step in the life cycle for these companies, right? It's a really big step, a really exciting step, but you have to remember they're coming out and making all of these promises to investors. Arguably, the more important thing is what happens after the IPO, after pricing day, can they actually live up to that? Because that's frankly going to set the tone for how investors see this company going forward. Still, it will be exciting. Will you be on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange for this one? Alex? We don't know if it'll be at NYSE or NASDAQ uh, yet. Yes, so, uh, yeah, that is the next question. Um, but I can tell you, I will be following this extremely closely. Typically for these big ones, uh, you know, we'll send Alex, uh, if it's at the New York Stock Exchange particularly, to follow the huge pop on day one, because that's what everybody looks for. Is like, what, what's the, even though that's silly, right? I mean, it's a silly way of looking at things, because if the stock pops hugely on day one, it means you've mispriced the IPO. But if it doesn't pop, then, it, then you get hammered in the press for it, because it looks like uh, you know, investors don't like your company. So it's this weird thing where you're like, you want it to pop, but not too much. Uh, you know, uh, is there a sweet spot that these companies look for? It's a, t- it's a tricky line to walk. You remember when they're priced, they, they price at an IPO discount, so slightly below what they think it should trade at. So, you know, 30% pop, 40% pop, fine. But if you have, you know, upwards of 100% on day one, maybe some questions. But 
most importantly, first earnings. We still have first earnings for a lot of these small tech companies coming up. Those will be the ones that are really watched to see exactly how these deals are priced. Alex Barinka, Bloomberg's IPO reporter, talking to us about news she broke a few days ago on Snap Inc. choosing its number one and number one A bankers to lead its IPO. That's it for this week on Deal of the Week. Thank you for listening. As always, remember you can check out our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or any app you use to listen to podcasts. And also please rate and review us when you're there. You can also listen on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal for Terminal customers. Also, follow me on Twitter at Sherman4949. Alex, how do people find you on Twitter? Uh, At Alex Barinka, A-L-E-X-B-A-R-I-N-K-A. See you next week. Brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch. Seeing what others have seen, but uncovering what others may not. Global research that helps you harness disruption. Voted top global research firm five years running. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner & Smith, Incorporated.